the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to The Better Life with Dr. Mary Ann Pinkston. Join Dr. Pinkston today as she teaches you how an integrative approach to health, combining holistic and contemporary medical information, can lead you to The Better Life. And now, here's your host, Dr. Mary Ann Pinkston. Hello, everybody. I am Dr. Marianne Pinkston, and welcome to The Better Life with Dr. Pinkston. It is always wonderful to have you guys join us for another great show, and I do have a great one this week that is going to be very near and dear to my heart as we talk about a very deep and dark subject that needs a lot of exposure, and that is suicide and suicide prevention. I know that this is a topic that can get uncomfortable for people. We want to really uncover this and speak deeply about it, and I have some Somebody very, very deeply involved in suicide prevention. She has done and accomplished so much. I'm so happy to have Sarah Gare on the program today. Welcome in and thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me today and highlighting this really important and, as you said, difficult conversation. Absolutely. And it is difficult because I, not only, I think, because things have gotten very difficult over the last couple of years with a, a lot of people who have gone through a lot of trauma with COVID, a lot of political upheaval, many things like that. We've also had a lot of issues surrounding uh, the uh, around uh, the border and immigrants, but then also a lot of military issues. I think over the last, you know, 10, 20 years now, it's been a long uh, history. And I know you have a lot of history uh, worth working with the military and uh, suicide prevention. So tell me about you. I want to hear about you and what you're accomplishing and, and your background. Well, thank you so much. Um, I think I'm probably sort of boring, but I have been in the mental health field for a long time. I'm not going to tell you how long because then your audience is going to guess my age and my feelings are going to get really hurt. But I will say um, I didn't go into this work with the intention of being involved in suicide prevention. Um, it sort of fell in my lap. And actually, at first, I, I didn't think I wanted to do it because I am a suicide loss survivor. Mm-hmm. And so when the opportunity first came up in front of me, uh, you know, I was really tempted to shy away from it. And I'm glad I didn't uh, because there's a lot of hope. There's amazing people doing this work and, you know, it's so important. Yes. But but it is it is hard. And the last several years, we've had some moments of um, some some hope because we saw our numbers come down for two years. Unfortunately, that is that progress is starting to turn around and we are we are climbing back up. Right. Uh, You know, and, and you're right. There's been a lot of things going on. And I think that is really important because so much of the world is going to focus on mental health conditions. Right. But the truth is, in my view. So let me say my truth is that social issues play a huge factor. Absolutely. In suicide. 
Yeah. And, you know, like you said, with the pandemic, uh, but, but a lot of other things that have been going on, I think, are drivers as well. Well, what do you think is underneath all, all driving all of that? I mean, you know, we've mentioned the highlights of, you know, a lot of trauma that have hit the world lately, but there's a lot of deep personal trauma that people are having to deal with underneath all of that as well. And I know uh, we, you know, I know you are a, a suicide survivor. Like you say, you've had probably somebody in your family. I'd love to hear your story. And I know everybody else would too, as have I. I lost my sister to suicide in 2016. And it, and then, of course, I work with a, a lot of patients who, you know, their families have suicide. I've lost patients. I mean, it is, it is, it is, um, it's a huge, huge, um, array of people who have either lost somebody or we've, you know, or, or we've, we've known somebody who has, uh, committed suicide. So tell me your story. What, what have you experienced? Yeah. So by the time I was 20 years old, I had lost three friends to suicide. Uh, the third one being my, first really, you know, best friend in my life. Um, and it, it impacted me very deeply. And it's also part of why I push back on the medical model because she had gotten a lot of treatment. She had been medicated many times. Uh, and I feel as though the essence of who she was, was never really addressed and the impact of all the trauma she had had was never really addressed. It, everything got blamed very quickly on a mental illness. Right. And there was a lot more to her than that. Yes. Um, you know, and so that's part of the work that I'm doing and I am swimming upstream. People are not ready to start having this conversation in, in a lot of the circles I'm in. Um, you know, but there was a, a term coined called deaths by despair it was actually coined by economists, but what it's looking at is specifically alcohol-related deaths, opioid-related deaths, and suicide-related deaths. And, you know, we the root cause of all three of those things being despair. You know, so when we think about suicide, so much of the conversation has been around mental illness and getting therapy and getting medication and a lot of people are out there pushing this narrative that not, not enough people are getting to help, which depending on which way you look at the data, you can make that argument about 50% of people who, who die by suicide have not received any mental health care, right? So there's, there's certainly a reason to make that argument. However, about right around the 50% mark, give or take a little bit, half received mental health care. And still have gone on to die by suicide. And so it's what's prompting me to really get out there and and make the argument that we need to do more than just get people to help. And I want to be very clear. Help helps a lot of people. Therapy, even medication can make a huge life-saving difference for a lot of people. Right. I just don't think it's the only answer. Right. right. You know, you mentioned something about... Um, you know, things uh, you had mentioned in our emails, whatnot, soul exhaustion. And I'll share something very, very private. And I think it's very important to do this. And that is, you know, you don't have to be, in my mind, depressed necessarily or have a mental illness to even think about suicide or think about just needing peace. Um, have been through some very, very dark years these last seven years. I mean, it, ultimately, somebody as tough and strong and outgoing and, you know, well put together as Dr. Pinkston, you know, went through some pretty crappy, to put it bluntly. 
And you just get to a point sometimes where you're like, you know, I, I'm not depressed. I don't need medication. I need therapy. I need, you know, I need support. I need people around me. Nobody really understands what I'm going through. I just need peace. I just need my mind to be free and my heart to be free for a little while away from, you know, these horrible, horrible things that are going on that ultimately are not my fault, not things I can control. If I can control it, I can deal with it. When I can't control it, Sometimes I just can't deal with it. And, you know, not that I would ever do anything. It would be, you know, a hor- horrendous, horrible thing. But I tell you, when you get exhausted and, and the world just seems to be falling down around you, I'm telling you, it is, it's a thought that will pass through your mind. And I just need peace. And I, I, I see so many people, so many women in my clinic, uh, so many people who have been through so much great people that I don't really think are mentally ill. I think they are just exhausted and just need help, you know, just support, that kind of support and help. How do you treat somebody like that? How do you give somebody the peace that they need? Well, so what I'm doing right now, uh, and I'm really excited about it, I'm, I'm out in the world and I'm talking about this concept of soul exhaustion, which you just mentioned. And soul exhaustion, you know, it it can certainly exist with a mental health condition like depression or anxiety. So it's not an either or it's sometimes it's a yes. And, but I also believe that soul exhaustion can exist when there is no mental health condition present. Um, and I'm not an expert on the soul. So I'm going to share with you what, what I'm learning, which is there's two really prevalent um, definitions for the soul. And one of them is, is sort of that theological definition, which is looking at the soul through religion and spirituality as the part of us that lives on beyond death. But the other and actually more common um, view of the soul is that it's the deepest part of who we are or the essence of who we are as people. And and what's nice is that the term soul exhaustion works regardless of which one of those definitions you relate to. You know, and this idea really it really came to me in the context of suicide loss, you know, as you had mentioned. Um, one, a lot of loss survivors don't realize that it is sadly extremely common to experience suicidal intensity yourself after losing someone that you love to suicide. And so when that happens, it can be very terrifying. But we know that that is an, a, a fairly common experience for loss survivors. But I had struggled for 20 something years to find the way to describe the impact of my best friend's death. And I could explain the grief, which lots of people, you know, experience grief and could kind of understand, but that didn't capture it for me. And I could explain the trauma, um, which is most often not talked about in the context of suicide loss. People don't really acknowledge that it's not just the grief, but it's also the trauma that we experience as loss survivors. Right. And even still, that felt like it didn't capture the entire experience. Um, And then it occurred to me one day, um, and I have a whole story I tell about this, that what I was experiencing after her death in particular was was really soul exhaustion. It was the exhaustion of the deepest part of who I am. Um, And it took a really long time to recover, in in part because there was no roadmap. So I was terrified. I was terrified to go out and start talking about the soul and soul exhaustion, um, you know, because we work in the medical model. But much to my excitement, I'm getting an incredible response. In fact, I was just a keynote at the American or plenary, excuse me, at the American Association of Suicidology in Portland, Oregon last week, where I had a standing ovation. Um, So I'm really excited that people, they hear the term. And this is actually the most exciting 
I'm looking at how people understand the concept of the soul, but also what they think soul exhaustion would be. And what's really interesting is people find it easier to define soul exhaustion than they do the soul, uh, which is really interesting to me and exciting. You know, so now what I've done is I've pulled together just a brilliant group of um, colleagues and friends to help me create a soul exhaustion and soul care workbook. Uh, so I have myself on a strict timeline because there are things, you know, you ask me if I sleep sometimes, um, but there are things that really can make the difference. And, you know, I, a lot of it I've learned by accident. Sure. And so, you know, I want to pull together all of these really brilliant people and say, like, I want to make something that people can go through this book. They can say, okay, what is causing my soul exhaustion? What are, what are, what's at the root of why I feel this way. And then, you know, once they sort of figure that out, they'll have recommendations on different areas of soul care. Um, soul care is the, is, is a much deeper level, right? I think the word self-care has gotten really overutilized. Um, and I had a woman in one of my workshops say to me, you know, if one more person tells me to pour a bubble bath and light a candle, I'm going to scream. Um, and it's true, right? Like we have people with these gaping wounds and we're telling them like, oh, slap some antibacterial cream on there. And, 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 <laughs> right, right. Um, so soul care is really about looking at that much deeper level of who we are as people. And I have great news. I have really exciting news. I need a roadmap. Hey, I know I do, you know, like many, I do a lot of things. I guide a lot of people. I, you know, I'm there. And, and a friend said it to me this morning, Marianne, you know, there are so many people that depend on you. I don't know how you do it. I'm like, I don't either. And <laughs> if somebody would provide me a guidebook on this, that would be wonderful. And you're right. I, I, I do know that I've got, you know, 15 minutes to spend, maybe less sometimes to spend in a room, you know, with somebody who really, really needs my guidance. And and until I figure it out for myself, I'm not sure that I could do it in, in three hours, let alone 15 minutes with somebody about how to get through this this world. It's getting tougher. I think about our kids um, you know, yeah. when I was a kid, I used to go ride on a bike until 10 o'clock at night. My parents had no idea where I was, what I was doing. Didn't matter. We were safe. Things were wonderful. These days, though, you know, the bullying, the social media, the, the comparisons, the pressures, you know, our kids have it so much, so much harder. They don't have a childhood anymore. You know, they're dealing with these things and they're so exhausted by the time they get to 12. And it's really a shame. And we've got to, we've got to do better. We've got to do better. And we've, you're right. I feel like we've got to stop putting it in terms of, you know, definitions of, you know, mental illness. It's not a mental illness. This is just waking up every day. This is just life and trying to get through it. I don't care who you are. It's, it's tough to do. Um, and I'm so sorry about your, your friend and three. My goodness, I survived one. I don't know how you've survived three. And I'm so sorry for that. But, uh, I'm glad you're doing the work that you're doing. Isn't it funny how you get dragged into what you do and what you love by some force that you, you never would have woken up and chosen for yourself? Just the universe just says, oh, there you go. And here you are. So trying to solve people and their, their issues. But we're so glad you're doing it. Uh, will this workbook be something that people can uh, look for at your website or how can people get in touch with you and, and start to look for this? 
Um, so what I would recommend, I do not um, do very much blogging at all. I generally only send out, um, you know, newsletters when I have news. Um, so people can certainly go and subscribe on my website to um, my blogger newsletter. I'm not even sure what I have it called there. And I assure you when uh, when we publish the workbook, I will send out um, a notice to everyone on that list. Um, you know, and my, my website is my name, saragare.com. Very good. And I will have all of that information on my website as well. And I hope I am one of the first to know that this is coming out. I will be happy, absolutely, to spread the news of, uh, of this, uh, this hard work that you're putting into this, get this out there. And again, I want to be the first. The, you can find all of her information. And she's got a lot of talks that she's given. She's got a lot of accolades. I was going through her website and just, you know, it was just nonstop scrolling of things that you've accomplished with this topic. It's amazing. I'm so glad you're doing it. But you can go to drpbetterlife.com and all of her information will be there as well as the ability to find all of our previous shows. I'm on every uh, po- podcast platform, YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, all of them. And then again on San Antonio Radio every Sunday at 4. Our new show airs every Sunday, relatively Sunday at midnight. And you can always catch our new topic of the week, but you can go back through the archives and find plenty of our shows I do need to spend a minute thanking PinnacleResearch.com or Pinnacle Research Texas, and their site is PinnacleResearch.com. Pinnacle has been with me for over a year now and has been a wonderful sponsor for me. They concentrate on fatty liver and liver disease, which is rampant here in San Antonio, Texas and in South Texas. And so PinnacleResearch.com, you can visit their website, sign up for a free Fibroscan takes just a few minutes. There's no needles or radiation or anything involved, no pain whatsoever. And you can find out if you get screening and find out if you have fatty liver, again, which is very, very rampant here. Very important. Pinnacle has been on top of it all. Some fantastic doctors. And again, go to my site, drpbetterlife.com. I will have plenty of information about Sarah there. And uh, uh, you can reach out to uh, see what she's doing lately and then hopefully get this work which I can't wait to get my hands on. And then we are going to take a short break, Sarah. Be right back on the other side and talk a little bit more about this great and important Fatty liver is linked to two different situations, alcohol and diabetes or obesity. In both cases, patients can have no symptoms. In the United States and in particular, Texas, the most common cause of liver disease in general is non-alcoholic fatty liver. Again, associated with overweight, obesity, and or diabetes. Additional risk factors include high cholesterol, high blood pressure, Hispanic ethnicity, and postmenopausal status. At Pinnacle Clinical Research, we offer a quick, non-invasive, ultrasound-based screening assessment called FibroScan. This test is done at no cost to you, and we do not take insurance. The test will measure the fat and stiffness in your liver and state your risk and development of fatty liver disease. You will meet with a provider immediately following your scan to go over your results. If you're interested in getting more information on your liver health, please call 210-529-7978 and schedule your FibroScan today. We are conveniently located in the Medical Center at 5109 Medical Drive. Hello there. Welcome back. I'm Dr. Marianne Pinkston, and I am here with Sarah Gare, who is speaking about suicide, soul exhaustion, suicide prevention, and very, very important topic. And so we've got just a few minutes left, Sarah. I know that there are people out there listening 
who need to hear you and need to hear something encouraging this morning about how to get help. What do you yeah. uh, have to say to those out there? Um, thank you so much for, for highlighting that. So for anyone who's listening right now who has been going through a really hard time um, or is supporting someone going through a really hard time, here's what I want you to know. You're not broken. You feel, you may feel very, very broken. And I understand that. And, and a lot of people are feeling that way too right now. But there are a lot of ways to make life feel hopeful again. One of the things that I talk a lot about in soul care, but also the mental health field would completely support this statement, is the importance of social connections. And, and often the more alone you feel, the more important those social connections have become. So if you're a suicide loss survivor, I really recommend that you connect with an organization like the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention that has support groups around the country for loss survivors. There will be nothing that helps you heal more than meeting other people who've been through the same thing you've been through. And if you're somebody who's struggling with thoughts or fighting against thoughts of suicide yourself, go online and look for peer support programs. And again, for the same reason that the AFSP groups are so helpful, the most hopeful place you can find is, is meeting other people who have lived with the same challenges that you are facing. So I cannot stress enough, both from a mental health perspective, but also a soul care perspective, the importance of social connection. And if you're not ready to take that step, please know that 988, it's now a three-digit line, is available 24 hours a day, seven days a week, with amazing people throughout this country sitting there just waiting to provide support to anyone. And if you, I'm pretty sure you hit one for the veterans hotline, Um, but what we know about suicide is that for most people, the decision is made, the action is taken within a pretty short window of time, which means impulsivity is a real factor. We also know that most people who survive an attempt will not go on to die by suicide. And what that means is if the thought is there and you're feeling drawn in that direction, the one request I have is just give it some time. In most cases, that thought, that urge, that feeling will pass. What's tragic is in so many instances, time is not given. And especially when people have access to very lethal means, such as firearms, it's just too late. So what I ask anyone who's struggling to do is, one, find social connections, um, and two, take some time. Give it some time before you, before you do something that can't be turned around. Uh, and again, shout out to 988. We have p- amazing people around this entire country who are just sitting there waiting to help people. That's great. We will have, if you will help me and provide me with the, uh, some of the websites that people can go to, I'll have those as links on my website so that you don't have to remember anything. You just go look and hit a link and get to where you need to go. And I'll highlight that information as well um, to make sure people do have that. I think contact reaching out is huge. It's hard to do. You feel embarrassed. Um, you know, you're feeling overwhelmed already. You feel embarrassed. You feel like people are going to judge you. And that is absolutely not the case. There are so many people like me, like you, who are willing to sit down with you, just listen and just, you know, hold a hand and put a stop to, you know, those those impulsivities and help you walk over that bridge so that you can move forward. And it, it's nice to know that those who attempt 
um, you know, do not go on to, and, and to attempt to survive, as you said, do not go on to fully complete their task because I, I, I thought they did. And I, I know that from my sister who attempted eight times. So it was, you know, soul exhaustion, some mental illness on her part, but I know that she did not understand and know of the resources that were, were out there for people to help her. She felt embarrassed and judged each time. That is not the case. There are people who really want to help you and people who understand probably more than you can ever realize what you're going through and want to see you cross that bridge because you can get to the other side. You can get past those thoughts. You're right. Time is so important. You can get uh, you can get to the other side and get past those thoughts and feelings. Just know that people are out there. 988 and then drpbetterlife.com. I'm going to have all of those websites. Um, Sarah's going to be so gracious and provide and we'll have that there for you so you can hit a link. How can people get in touch and uh, touch with and find more information about you and what you do? Well, certainly visiting my website uh, is sarahgare.com, S-A-R-A-H-G-A-E-R.com. Um, I'm also on LinkedIn, Twitter, and I have a Facebook page. Um, I, Although full disclosure, I don't do a great deal of posting, but you can find me in those places. Uh, and certainly reach out to me in any of those those avenues. Wonderful. And I'll have all of that information as well. And hopefully uh, in the next six months or so, we're going to hold you to it <laughs> to get that workbook out for soul exhaustion. Because really, again, it's not just about mental illness. It is about how tough this world can be on you sometimes. And just knowing that there is support and that people do care and that we want to see you get past all that pain inside and, and trauma and suffering and uh, and have a better life and get out there and help somebody else get past it as well. So drpbetterlife.com, Sarah, thank you so much for being so patient. We've almost had you on a couple of times and it has been touch or go, but I appreciate you being on. You do very important work and I'm glad to know you and we can't wait for that book uh, to get work book together. It out. You've got lots of other things that people can uh, can see. You've been very important to everybody this morning. Thank you. And uh, for everybody watching out there, have a great week. Uh, any last thoughts for anyone out there? Well, just one last thought is, you know, therapy gets a really bad rap. And it, but, but it's like, it's like the right pair of shoes, right? Once you find the right pair of shoes, you no longer say, oh, I'd rather be barefoot. And so um, just for folks who are out there having a hard time, give Give it a chance. If, yeah. if you're struggling, you know, it is worth giving and trying to find the right, the right therapist. It's so <laughs> Much more eloquently than I do. I usually tell folks in, uh, in clinic, you know, it's kind of like having a boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, significant other. It's like if that one isn't working out, you break up with that one and you go on to the next one until you find the right fit. But I like the pair of shoes. That's much more positive and better. So but it is you do. You have to find the right person and the right fit for you. You do have to sometimes seek it out. It's not always the first first person, first counselor that you meet. But it is exceedingly helpful. So very good point. Sarah, again, thank you so much. Everybody, have a great week. We'll have all of the information on the website, drpbetterlife.com. Thank you, guys. Have a great week. You've been enjoying The Better Life with Dr. Marianne Pinkston. For more information, go to drpthebetterlife.com. That's drpthebetterlife.com. And listen next week for The Better Life with Dr. Pinkston. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.